Hello, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. One of us, myself, for the first time. I, as always, am Jacob, the super rookie of One Piece, joined by my co-host here, Justin. Hello, and this week, after an extended hiatus, which we apologize for, we are covering the Jaya arc, which covers chapters 218 to 236 of the One Piece manga. So, for those of you who have not read those chapters or watched the corresponding anime episodes, you might want to do so because you have now been warned that we are going to spoil absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. I'm going to try not to jump the gun here because something does happen in this arc where I was flipping my shit and I texted you right away with a picture going, I can't believe I called it. But I can still be wrong, but, you know, it's the, it's the crackpot theory I had. Yeah, not a, <laughs> not a super eventful arc. Clearly a build-up, right? As it ends with the, the huge cliffhanger, which you really yeah. wanted to, like, skip ahead and read just one more chapter of that next arc. He texted yeah, me, like, so... right away. It was hilarious. Yeah, so for those at home, Justin here is very strict to me about when I tell you to read these chapters, Jacob, you're going to read these chapters, not one before, not one after, these ones. And literally this arc ends on a, fantastic action cliffhanger where literally people are flying and i'm going i gotta i gotta get some closer justin just one more chapter i need some closure and you're like no stop it i demand (laughs) and i do apologize for making you wait about two weeks but after this as soon as we're done recording whenever you want you've got i think 69 chapters ahead for skype coming up diggity but yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, so kind of, ref- yeah, so re- reinforcing what you mentioned about this arc being like, it's not it's not that it's uneventful, but it's definitely a bridge arc, a lead up to Skypea, um, the next Sky Island arc. Because when I analyze and read through stuff I like or watch or play anything I like, it's I look for themes, characters and world building primarily central plot if it's good. But I usually put that on the side burner if the other three are really good. This arc doesn't really is not too strong on themes like it has themes. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't seem that important right now. It could be a lead up to the future, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I I think uneventful is not the right word. It's just it's relatively short and contained within the stuff that happens in it is what I'm kind of trying to say. And I, I do agree with you. There's like the beginning of some some world building, obviously, which I guess now's the time to go into it, right? We learned pretty much right away, I think, in the arc. Sky Islands apparently are a thing in One Piece, which is very interesting. We learned that from Nico Robin, our new crew member. Speaking of Nico Robin, this person showed up for a job interview. Like, she's dressed up in a collar button-up, long sleeves, what looks like, like khakis or slacks. Like, business, casual, professional, going, hey, I want to join the Straw Hats. <laughs> yeah. Different from what we're used it to. is kind of, it's very job interviewee. Uh, Usopp is mm-hmm. the one, like, kind of interviewing the most, I feel like, in that scene, right? At the very beginning, yeah, where she goes, like, uh, like, so what do you do? What'd you do? How'd you get by? And then she just goes to casually assassination. <laughs> yeah. With that, with that straightforward, like mannequin face that she's got, but at the yeah, same time, just a little smile off. I'm like, Oh, I just killed people for a living. Yeah. The version reread, uh, there's even like a heart after when she says assassination, like she meant it with yeah. love or like fun. And I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> Killing them kindly. But, yeah. 
But the reason why I mentioned the job interview part is even though it looks like she's not getting Usopp's trust right away with that line, she's like making everyone laugh or she's winning them over like one by one very easily where Sanji, she doesn't have to try because yeah, Sanji, Sanji. it's a freebie. She uses her powers to make Usopp, Chopper, and Luffy laugh by making them impersonate each other where like Luffy like looks to Usopp with her hand sticking out of his hat going, look, I'm Chopper. And they're just like, like they're laughing their asses off. And then, of course, Nami is bribed with gold because uh, Robin took some gold from uh, Crocodile earlier before she left. Right. The only one that's still skeptical is Zoro. But yeah, she's showing up for a job interview. She wins their most of their hearts over. Like Luffy is Luffy, right? He's going to be like, yo, you want to be a straw hat? All right, cool. So, yeah, he, he's already been convinced, right? She saved his life. We, that's what we also learned at the beginning of this arc. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, right. Okay, so there was a world-building bit that we did gloss over that I feel like is very important. Where yeah. we learn from King Cobra that he did, in fact, know the Poneglyph did have the info about the... Pluton. What's the weapon called again? The, Pluton. The Pluton. Yeah, Pluton. Pluton. And so he obviously knew, right? Shocker. And it was revealed that Robin didn't say it because she didn't want Crocodile to get the weapon, but not because like, oh, she's like this higher sense of justice, but more like, but that's not what I was looking for. I was hoping for this Poneglyph to be the quote unquote real Poneglyph. And we get this whole thing of like, yeah, she knows this like old ancient language and or at least this unknown language, kind of like Latin, I guess, where it's like maybe it's yeah, like it's like foregone. it's like dead or something, something. Oh, sorry, sorry, it. sorry. Yeah, sorry, not Latin hieroglyphics, where it's very odd to read, very backwards, but she's very skilled at it. But she's got this ulterior motive of I need to find the real Poneglyph, or at least what we think is what she's saying is the motive where she's looking for the true history, the right. true history of what exactly it could be how humanity started. Maybe it's about her culture, her family. I don't know. But King Cobra realizes, yo, that sounds really important. But before they can deep dive into how crazy it is, that's when we get the, you know, the moment of like the, the because it's still at the mausoleum collapsing. Luffy saves them. And then she blames Luffy for saving her. Cause she's, she's just, Robin's a bit, uh, a bit on the angsty emo side right now, even though she doesn't look like it, where she's like, oh, you saved me, therefore you owe me. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she, in that but, scene, she was kind of just, when Luffy was, had her over his shoulder, dragging her out, she was saying, just leave me, I want to die. And he's like, nope, <laughs> not going to do yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So Zoro's skeptical of Robin's motives, and before long, the sky starts to fall. And... Yeah. Great panel. I, I panel double spread of the sh the ship falling from the sky. I loved it. Great. I art. can't. I don't know if I like that panel panel. Uh, sorry, that panel better, or if I like Usopp's reaction where he's like, "It's just a dream." I'll slowly open my eyes, <laughs> yeah. and then he just sees a, a fallen skeleton right next to him. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That happened so, yeah. a couple of times in that opening segment where he's like, "It's just a dream. It's just a dream." It's like just when a the, dream. later on when that giant. Turtle thing appeared. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happens a little later. But the big thing that happens is they get a log pose that points somewhere. Nami going, That doesn't make sense. Why is it pointing to the sky? It must be broken. And then Robin, like nonchalantly with confidence, answers, No, that means there's an island in the sky. That's where we need to go next. And obviously, Luffy's on board. Usopp's on board. I think Usopp's on board. Either way, Luffy's on board, which matters because he's like, Hell yeah, adventure in the sky. Let's go. Yeah, Usopp but is not super on board. It's, it's Luffy and Usopp that are like, point the prow upwards. And Sanji is yeah, like, okay, uh, okay. yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> it's not how the yeah, ship yeah. works. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm reinforcing that too, where it's like, y- you guys are not getting it. It's not that we don't want to, it's that we can't. We physically can't. But Luffy's just, you know, being stubborn, of course, just being like, find a way. We'll do it. We'll do it because we can. We're pirates. And, like, nope. T- uh, I've made up my mind. We're going to the Sky Island. <laughs> yeah. But to get like some clues or to figure out what's going on, well, the first step they do is we find out that Robin's ability to read hieroglyphics is also extended to she's very good at analyzing a scene where to the point where it's like archaeology skills. She can look at a skeleton and see what the clothes are wearing, what they're buried with, how they're buried, any features on their body. Like if they have a, a very clean hole in their skull, it means, oh, this means this person got some surgery done to them. And it's like, okay, so this person's very good at analytical skills that could be really helpful, um, potentially where they are going. Because I'll say it right here, this theme does set up a little bit in terms of world building, where it's like the possible place they're going seems to have like possible jungle type of vibes, where you have like the ornaments they find, where they'll have like these jade ornaments or vases where it's like, oh, like these bird shapes, but they're kind of like wide and obtuse to the point where it's like, is this like, like, like Central American type of influence, like Incan or Mayan type of architecture. So that tells me, oh, that means Indiana Jones. That means, of course, Robin's going to come in handy. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager for that. Yeah, she, she proved that she's very useful. She's kind of, like you said, like archaeologist and in tune with her uh, desire to find whatever that true history is. She seems to know a lot about history. Like you said, she was able mm-hmm. to like immediately pinpoint the era and location where those clothes came from and then do some backward deduction and she repieced that skull together and etc etc yeah the the part that I'm, I'm agreeing with Zoro in this one is because i'm used to oda introducing characters like oh at the beginning of the arc we need to find a doctor beginning of the arc oh we need to find a navigator this character robin is literally inter- is literally joining the crew at the last page of the previous arc alabasta and then we're like okay this is very like unorthodox so what's the deal here? So even though she's telling us that, oh, I want to find the true Poneglyph, which is equivalent to like Sanji saying, I want to see the all blue, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, there's your goal. And that could be a far reaching goal. But she joins the crew so quickly that I'm still like, okay, there's got to be something going on. And I'm thinking maybe, uh, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to be the next arc, but maybe sometime in the future we'll get more into her character because we know that she's wanted for at least 60 million berries. She's done some serious shit when she was a young girl. So I don't know what or how, but it's got to be connected somehow. I'm not saying it's it's all a mystery. The whole vibe is Robin's a big mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And the (laughs) and bigger mystery is we got to find out how to get up there. Hey, that ship that just fell in the water. Hey, let's get some scuba diving gear out of some barrels. (laughs) And (laughs) find what's going on there. Small detail I want to mention that I did appreciate was. We know that devil fruit users like Luffy just straight up like lose stamina, energy, endurance when they are exposed to seawater. And so Sanji, Zoro join Luffy when they scuba dive. Their scuba diving suits, quote unquote, are just a barrel for their top half and they have free legs. Uh, Luffy has two barrels, to, so he's completely uh, surrounded right. and, not, and exposed to ocean water. So I, I like that little detail. That was a nice little detail. Yeah, I feel like a lot of other manga anime comics just in general from i guess a little bit earlier than this area maybe this is probably like i think we said we're estimating we're in about 2003 or 4 now 
mm-hmm. that they would skip, they missed little details like that, you know, where the protagonist or a character has like a certain weakness or establish something that they just don't really like. And there's always like that one little background panel where they're just completely kind of breaking it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the fans like and we're arguing with each other going like, yo, does this mean Luffy's not as weak? But well, actually, it's actually yeah. in, re- in reality, it's probably because the author forgot. In this case, no, the author didn't forget. So kudos. To Oda. Yeah, Oda. Oda's always S plus on consistency. Oh yeah. Um, while they deep dive, they we get like this great chapter of them like going through the wreckage of like no dialogue, and they're just going through uh the wreckage. We see uh Zoro like trying to unsheathe the sword, it immediately just dissolves as soon as he does it. Um we mentioned, like I said, the the vase, the ornaments I mentioned earlier, where it's like very like Tukin or bird influenced architecture or um I'm trying to think of the right better word instead of just architecture I feel like it's better to say culture like, yeah like just like culture influence because you see the shapes everywhere but they dissolve too as soon as he touches them and then we also see what I think is more important where Sanji is looking at a room where obviously he's looking at a frame of a beautiful woman right but he's not doing it in his like pervy way he's more looking at it where it's like it's a portrait of a woman but it's harpooned like there's a hole through it and he's looking at this pile of corpses, of skeletons, also with harpoons. So it's very clear that there was some infighting going on or some violence. Right. And then while they're doing that, we get introduced to one of our many characters of this arc. But one of my favorites, because he's just a fun character. Salvage King Masira yeah. runs into the straw hats that are on the surface. Yeah, there's some there's some really fun and funny moments with Masira, like right there in the beginning. Like, he shows up, and oh, he's yeah. like, hey, what are you guys doing? This is my salvage operation. And they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. We're just, I'm just a fangirl. I'm here to watch. Yeah, oh, God, it's 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 Donkey Kong. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. beware for Donkey Kong. He's going to ruin everything. But he ends up being pretty friendly and assertive at the same time. It's like, he's, he's there for salvage and scrap, but he's also very trusting of strangers. There's yeah. moments where they think, like, oh, they beat up our, our initial uh, scout that went down there, because obviously the straw hats are down there. And then he looks over to Nami, Usopp, and the others that are still on the boat, going, "You guys, be be careful, okay? There's there's some bad people <laughs> down there. I just want to." And it's like, "All right, you know, this guy's pretty funny. It's pretty, I like pretty that. It's pretty mm-hmm. dumb, obviously, and he's similar yeah, yeah. to Luffy in that kind of respect, which they kind of notice because Sanji, yeah, particularly pointed out. Yeah, they kind of bond that way because I feel, I feel like we can kind of skim through this a bit where it's like, of course, the yeah. monsters show up. Monsieur joint dives down. He meets the straw hats that are underneath there. Um, the salvage team tries to lift up the ship with a giant crane. It's really cool. And Monsieur and Luffy get along just fine, like you said, because they're both monkeys, quote unquote. Right. But the big thing I want to get to was when everything is going on and like this, there's a sea turtle that comes in and swoops the salvage and the straw hats and the and Monsieur are in danger. It gets really dark very quickly. Yeah. And you get this great, like, okay, so my reaction, obviously it's going to be terrible with audio, but I'm going to do my best here, where I'm looking at this funny panel, of course, where it gets dark, and then we get a, a side-by-side of, like, Luffy looks up, zoom in on expressed shock, zoom in on Masira, zoom in on expressed shock, and then Sea Turtle, zoom in on expressed yeah. shock. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is really funny. And then I turn the page, and I'm pretty sure Justin heard me all the way from the island of Kentucky. What? wherever you're at in the Grand Line. And I just heard, you just heard, fucking Cthulhu is real all the way there. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew we were going to go there somewhere <laughs> in this arc. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they, 
these things aren't Cthulhu, but it's the, the size is appropriate where they just look like giant shadowed figures. They look like they have maybe spears or harpoons, maybe, I don't know. With like maybe wing, like tiny little wings, maybe I don't know. It's yeah, very like clear, it's small. They look. I mean, in, in in comparison to the bodies, they look relatively small. These wing shaped, mm. I guess, appendages or things. Yeah, there's like there are spears. Yeah, and they're just giants, giant figures, human like shapes, roughly. Yeah, uh, anthropomorphic, at the very least. So, the key thing is like, okay, it gets dark. Like for some reason, the clouds are so dense whenever these things are around that it gets so dark that it look, it turns from day to night. We hear this over and over again, this expression, this time, this event that happens in this area. And just as quickly as they show up, they're gone. And it's like, oh, shit, what the hell is going on here? And I'm guessing, obviously, that this is probably some kind of possible foreshadowing to possibly the next arc. If not the next arc, then obviously in the future, because you can't just have three Cthulhu-sized giants show up for one or two panels and then go away after right. a person named Jacob is reading this in 2021 going, Cthulhu is real in one piece, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I really liked the kind of mystery buildup we get just in those first few chapters. Like, oh, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. basically what we talked about, all this crazy stuff happening, you know, we get, like, that giant sea turtle, and all of a sudden, like, day turns to night, quote-unquote, ships falling from the sky, and it's just, like, it's crazy. Some of the craziest stuff that's been happening, I guess, like, in random events-wise in One Piece so far, you're just like, what the hell is going on here? Oh, yeah, all it took, all it took is that if those giants were not careful they were just walking kind of thing then straw hats are done they're dead gone that's all they had to do like that's that's how big this moment was in terms of scale and also just like how fortunate they were i think they were aware that the the two boats were there because it looked like they were looking at them so if it was true lovecraftian they would have just not even noticed they were there but regardless it's very convenient that robin this architect character full of mystery is around when this arc is introducing a bunch of mystery for possibly in an adventure mystery arc in the future so how convenient so it's a really good time for robin to shine in the future is what i'm saying but i'm still very curious what this character's deal is yeah so after this whole deal uh with masira they kick him off the ship because he wanted he was just looking in going Man, that was crazy. Yeah, you said it. And they just kick him off the ship where it's like, what the hell are you doing here? You're not a straw hat. They decide to, uh, oh, because Robin, during the fiasco, during the distraction, myself included, of going, hey, look at the Cthulhu's over there. Look at the great ones, the old ones. And Robin is almost unfazed. She was able to, at least or at least before they showed up, she's able to steal the log pose of on their boat, the turtle pose, going back to Jaya, the name of the Ark. Jaya Island, maybe they can find some clues there, find a way to possibly go to Skypea. There's some there's some consistent uh, internal discussion of they can't stay on Jaya for too long because our log post is pointing towards Skypea. But again, these log posts reset and we don't want to stay here for too long when it's already had a set course. We don't even we don't know if it's going to be a quick reset or a long reset. We don't know. Right. And eventually we do find out they had like four days or three days. And so Nami just this guy's. Just like finalizes, okay, let's say for two days max, get what we need, see if we can get some info, and work with it. Because obviously, Luffy's the captain, he wants to go to the Sky Island. Nami is still skeptical, but she's like, all right, fine, you're the captain, we got two days. Let's go. Jaya. Yeah, Jaya. then we move into the little, the mock town section on Jaya, the island. 
or basically what I like to call not Tortuga from Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> where yeah. it's inhabited by outlaws. Just there's rum in the streets. There's whores running around and it's like, oh, my God, it's so great. We get like a bunch of character introductions where we get to see this champion grappler guy who's like demanding, yo, fight me. Like he's basically Hulk Hogan. Where yeah, he's just he's like, a, <laughs> like a luchador. Not a, is it a luchador? Is that what the word I'm looking for? Like the he has, I, has I think Mexican so. wrestler so. vibes? Yeah, no, I, I feel like a luchador is like a... Yeah. I, I'm thinking a luchador is like a bull like wrangler. But I'm oh, sure. maybe. Maybe I'm not sure, but I know you're talking about the, yeah. the Mexican wrestlers who wear the masks. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I, the word is escaping um, me. Yeah, but we see a crazy wrestler dude. We see this crazy uh, sniper looking guy who looks like he uses like a blunderbuss looking type of musket because it has like an extended barrel that opens up that circle on the end. Yeah. That fires and kills seagulls, which was actually their first tell that they were near Jaya because Chopper's going, no, these birds were shot. Look at the, you know, look at the bullet holes here. And then I was going, oh, so that means we're near an island. Let's keep going this way because the waters are calm. Uh, we get to see the grappler, like I mentioned. We also also see uh, this very strange, like, not evil queen from Snow White where he's like, oh, here are these apples. Here, have these apples. Mm-hmm. And and then we learn that they are, like, random because they can sometimes explode, like, with a good area of, of effect. Or they're just apples. And, of course, if he just eats one because he doesn't. Because, you know, he just figures, oh, f- free food. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. Then we got Rocio, the executioner. They kind of portray as like, oh, this cool pirate. He looks like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. He's got that big, wide jaw and mouth. And then he dies. And then we get the other guy that's going to be actually the ongoing, I guess, antagonist. He's kind of a joke, let's be honest here. Uh, Bellamy the hyena. He like like he's coming after Crocodile, which is unfair. He's Crocodile right. being like, probably my favorite villain so far. And then Bellamy is just like, I am basically a Disney cartoon bully. So, which is his role, right? Because there's like a portion where they're trying to get info at a bar, uh, Nami, Zoro, and Luffy. They're trying to get info at a bar and they're going like, oh, you're trying to chase your dreams while wow, you're so stupid chasing your dreams. That's so unpractical. And it doesn't work for me personally. Like he's, it's his purpose is to be an annoying character that gets his comeuppance later on but yeah. when it's if it's, that's your whole purpose of being like this anti-dream pirate character i don't know it didn't work for me personally i don't hate the guy like he's not as bad as mr three but i don't know maybe because his design's lacking compared to other characters we've seen so far i don't know it's i don't, I don't like bellamy he he works for me in some ways i don't like love bellamy here i love how he goes down obviously but yeah <laughs> yeah I think because uh, the one theme that is like recurring in this arc is like the follow your dreams theory, right? Like you should try to follow your dreams, and he is kind of yeah, a pretty good antithesis to that, at least. Which works, you know, like, well, the whole theme like follow I, your dreams. I'm gonna go to the sky. The very end yeah. of this little arc, they I like, think that's my, that's my go up to the sky. Yeah, I think that's my issue is that I don't see him as a good antithesis. I know he is the antithesis, but I don't think he's a good one. Because I feel like he's just, oh, here's a pirate who's just, you know, who's just like, oh, I'm smiling and angry. And like, oh, you're going after your dreams. That's stupid. I'm going to proceed to punch the shit out of you and establish, you know, make the readers hate me. Because for the for those who we, well, we gloss over this part, too. But Nami was telling like Luffy and Zoro, you guys get in the fight so often 
that we can never get what we need. Like, you know, going back to Alabaster, right? Where literally the first thing Luffy does is get chased around by Captain Smoker. So Nami's reminding them, like, hey, remember, we're here for information. So we just need to get resupplies. Just get info. Lie low. Don't get into any fights. Luffy almost gets into a fight with this very big, burly dude with missing teeth uh, because they have, they have opposite taste buds, which, of course, is definite means for Luffy to get into a fight. I agree with that. But then Bellamy is like, you know, insulting all of them. Like Nami is humiliated at one point because she tells, you know, she says they're trying to get to a sky island and everyone laughs at her. Um, Luffy and Zoro are confronted where it's like, you guys have like these stupid ass dreams of trying to find a sky island for riches and glory. It's like, no, just stick to stick, stick to low, just raid pirate ships. What the hell are you doing? But it doesn't match. It's again, it's, I think my issue is, I know you're not going to get this, Justin, but for those of you who have played Mass Effect 3, Bellamy reminds me of Kai Lang, where it's like this character to me is just really shitty, but because how they are dealt with is so satisfying, you're very mixed about the opinion of the character because it's very satisfying what happens at the end. But was it worth the journey to get to that point? I don't know. Whatever this character. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. He is just mm. kind of like, Mwahaha, you know, I'm, I'm a bitch. Mm hmm. The uh, yeah, the writer's tool of basically this guy is meant to be the ass and the the rival of this term, and plus to make you hate him even more because he proceeds to beat the living shit out of Luffy and Zoro because Nami even goes, "All right, screw these guys. You can go ahead and fight them. I don't care." But then is he Luffy the biggest goes, cunt in the series, though. Say again. The question is: is is he the biggest cunt in the series? Uh, no, this is just a Disney bully. Like I said, this guy is just a bully for beating up Zoro and Luffy, challenging their dreams. The answer is no, he's not the biggest cunt. The, an the answer to that is still Crocodile with a good second place from Arlong. This guy is, again, like, on Mr. Three levels of, like, I don't give a damn about this guy. Where he's not as... Uh, I really he wanted to three. see him. I really needed that punch he receives at the end. Like, I wanted him to get it oh, again, so again. bad. <laughs> Yeah, but my point being is that even if Mr. 3 got, like, that satisfying conclusion at the end, too, where he almost does, because Crocodile kind of, you know, drains him and tortures him and humiliates him, I'm still going, it doesn't excuse that character for being a little poor. And I'm not saying this ruins the whole arc or anything. I'm just saying, like, this is for villains, especially coming right after Crocodile. He's a bit on the weekend. He and Big Knife Sarkis, where he literally looks like he's a elitist from Aspen, Colorado, where he's, like, in, like, his fur coats and... The snowboarder <laughs> goggles going, oh, here's some money to buy yourself a whore for the night. Oh, you guys deserve, you guys are like such, again, it gives me like big bully vibes where I'm like, this is, this is, these are pirates. Why are you acting like bullies? It's so He's weird. like, he's more of a, the way that I would at least, or I think maybe popular culture anticipates like a real pirate, like, you know, quote unquote. I guess, which is why it's a little boring. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's not like he's not it's like one piece, piece pirate. He's like a, he's like a real pirate. Like, nah, just get money, get bitches, you know, have fun, no dreams, yeah. just live it. Yeah. Great age of pirates. But, the Marines but, can't stop us because there's too but, many of us. Do what I want. I think that's why also I I dislike Sarkis more than Bellamy because Bellamy at least looks like a pirate, a very boring one, but he looks like a pirate, if not a young one, because he has like no scars on him, not really. And then Sarkis, yeah. again, he looks like he's dressed like he just came from a fancy hotel in the high mountains of Denver or Colorado. And it's like, dude, where are you from? He's like from the wrong Sarkis series. Sarkis is the first mate, right? The first mate, yeah. With the first mate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. First mate of Bellamy, yeah. He's the one with like the like the, the ladies around his arms. Like they're trying to. Oh, yeah. He, like, you said the goggles, like, too. That's him. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, he's he's definitely like the, one of the worst characters, the worst antagonist we've seen so far. But again, he's such a small yeah. minor character, he's forgotten. Um, he's sorry, kind we're talking about kind of hype manny. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, get it, Bellamy, you know? Yeah, exa- exactly why I see the, the, the Disney bully vibe, where he's like, yeah, kick his ass, Bellamy, screw these guys. I'm just like, I was actually getting a little annoyed at this point, where, like, I know that where this is going, because Luffy actually, even though Nami tells Luffy, yo, beat these guys up, like, they've gone too far. And then Luffy actually tells those, uh, Zoro and Nami, don't fight. And we basically learn that, I don't, I don't agree with this mindset, but I've seen this done before in fiction, and, you know, it's, it can be very powerful when used effectively, which is, these guys aren't worth my time. Don't even bother. Yeah. Don't. I don't agree to the well, point where... It's the callback. Oh, sorry, what was that? Callback to what? It's the, the callback to Chapter 1, with Shanks and the Mountain yeah. Bandit, who's also yeah. just a huge, annoying, evil character, quote-unquote evil, like, mwahaha, bad yeah, guy. He, yeah, pours the alcohol on top of Shanks after he's, like, crypt him or pushed him down or something. But I think it didn't work for me as well this time as first chapter did was that that time it was a pirate going into a bar controlled by the red haired pirates. And then he just walks out laughing. But then the red haired pirates just laugh it off afterwards where it's like, man, that guy was so dumb thinking he was hot shit. But in this case, the Straw Hats are going into a the Bellamy pirate controlled bar and they're just standing there taking it, getting beat up over and over again. I'm like, if it's not worth the time, then just leave. Right. That's the usually the, the approach, right? Where it's like, they're not worth the time. Let's just get out of here. Right. But they wanted to hammer in the approach thematically of, you know, they're not worth the time. Therefore, we're not going to fight back no matter what. But then they just stand there and get beaten over and over again. So I was this is why I'm saying I, I'm very mixed about this motif of these enemies are not worth the time. Therefore, go full pacifist and just not do anything. And I. I draw the line where I'm like, okay, if it's obvious that they're looking for a fight and they're still fighting you, even though you're not fighting back, leave. Why stay there? Just leave, please. <laughs> I guess it's, to, I guess, I guess, I guess it's to help make that final moment just feel a lot better. But I don't know. I wasn't completely sold on this part in particular, but the next part, which is actually a better part was that same big, huge hobo looking dude that had the missing teeth and the bandana meets him out on the streets and he's like, no, it's good that you guys are following your dreams. It's like, you know, you're actually the real pirates. Those guys, they don't know what they're talking about. You're, you're going to be the ones making the, you know, the big name in your, in the future. So, and I actually had a little theory here that actually ends up being true, which was, I wrote down here, trippy. If this guy was Blackbeard, because here's this big, yeah, because literally we have Bellamy and Big Knife, right? Who are like these very bland Disney bully looking characters, unoriginal. This guy actually looks like a pirate. He's got the bandana. He's got the long curly hair. He's got the unkept beard. He's got missing teeth. One has a hole in it for fuck's sake. He's huge and massive. He's got the open unbuttoned shirt. And he's talking about chasing your dreams. And those guys aren't real pirates. You guys know what you're doing. And I'm like, this would be crazy if this guy has Blackbeard. From mentioned in the Drum Island arc. That'd be crazy if this guy was it. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get I ended up getting my answer to that much sooner than I expected. Yeah, because I think you you texted me that panel of him saying like, you know, like pirate dreams never die or something like that, or follow your dreams oh, or whatever. Yeah, and oh, you yeah, were like yeah, question yeah. mark blackbeard. And I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, I'm actually very glad you brought that up that I texted you because I remember I texted you because the panel side by side it was showing uh Shanks, then Ace. Then this unnamed dude, 
And right. Oda likes to do these comparison panels where if you're doing flashbacks, it's going to be side by side. If it's a character's face one to one like that, it's going to be high significance. Last time he did this that I noticed was Logtown, where it showed uh, Goldie Roger and then Monkey D. Luffy. And there's a connection yeah. there. I was like, hmm. And then I ended up being correct on that one. So that's why I sent you that text going, wouldn't it be crazy if this guy was important, like Blackbeard or something? And then, boom, he ends up being, you know, Blackbeard. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So what's up? Mm. There's some interesting stuff there with, with potential, I feel, for the, the long term of the story. Like you were saying, him and Luffy are, they're not quite opposites, but they are in some ways. Like that the bar scene that happened before the Bellamy scene. I think mm-hmm. it was like the beer. Luffy drinks it and like, oh, this is gross. And Blackbeard's like, oh, this is bomb. And then Opposite like taste this cherry pie, he's like, oh, this cherry pie is great. And Blackbeard's like, shit, is gross. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's a juxtaposition there where they're like, they're kind mm-hmm. of shown as opposites, but then it comes back around to this where they have similar ideals at least. Yeah, but the methods are probably going to be vastly different because we know that Blackbeard in the past has, with his crew, who we haven't seen or confirmed yet at this point, but little did we know we have. But they went along with them five alone, went to Drum Island and were able to basically kick out the king. Well, you know, it's Wapple. It's not that it doesn't take much, but they were able to conquer the island basically with them, the five. So it's like, okay, so basically these are like almost like, I almost okay. I just I just hit me just now. Are is are the Straw Hats basically Star Fox and Blackbeard and his crew Star Wolf, where they're like opposites, but they're like both mercenary groups. <laughs> but it it's like, does <laughs> kind of seem like that rival team the build up, right? And we even at the very very end of this arc, we almost got that confrontation because as we mm-hmm. know, Blackbeard tries to chase Luffy down when he sees his new bounty. Yeah, that rival gang potential. I'm like, you know what? I could totally dig that. We're literally, uh, they're opposites, at least in their taste buds, but they have that ultimate end goal of like, you know, chasing after the One Piece or chasing after the goal. We'll see where that goes, definitely. But yeah, I had an interesting a- thought on that though, because Blackbeard's a pirate too. Can yes, can yes. pirates cash in on bounties from other pirates? I would say so. Um, mm-hmm. Just as long as you don't, just as long as you don't reveal that you are, yourself are wanted for. Yeah, I guess more maybe than if he doesn't have a bounty in. himself, then probably. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So also, also later in the arc, we are jumping ahead a little bit because, but you did bring this up, so that's actually a good point. Blackbeard did try to be one of the seven warlords. Remember, he sent his one of oh, his colleagues to go. So that would have given him the free the freedom of that option without the fear of being turned in himself. So maybe he was just going ahead of the time going like, you know what? I'm sure that'll work out. Let me get this guy to start off my, you know, my freedom of getting pirate booty, pirate bounty. So I forgot that they mentioned that. that. Yeah, that could, that could work out. Either that, that probably so, was the plan then. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Possibly. We do return to the Merry-Go. They established that the Merry-Go is in terrible shape. Something that I have um, noticed throughout where, yeah, the ship is taking more and more damage, but I wonder how much of an issue will become in the future. And it looks at this point, they're establishing, yeah, if any more fight, big fights happen with this ship, like, you know, they had to deal with the, the Sea Turtle and Masira, that, yeah, this ship ain't gonna hold. But, yeah, Usopp's doing his best to repair it. They, re, they remind us why Usopp is so eager to repair the ship. It actually didn't hit me, really, until this arc. Where yeah, I always thought magic because Usopp was just you know the the crafty one, right? I just figured that was the reason why he was always yeah. repairing it. But it was reinforced that no, this was a gift from his island friend Kaya, his crush, his or crush or his friend, either or. 
and it's potential love it's interest it's seems like yeah but it's connection to home so in more ways than one because it was gifted by someone who was from his home so in two ways it's Usopp's new home connects to his old home it's it's definitely incredibly important to Usopp so that made it really important I'm glad they actually mentioned that with that being said the three return obviously everyone's like yo what the hell happened to Usopp oh, sorry what happened to Luffy, Luffy and Zoro why are you guys all beaten up and then Nami just doesn't want to talk about it she is irate she is fuming like she is so fucking mad of what happened and rightfully so because i'm confused too at this point where like, like again like why didn't they just leave why did they just take it like I, it's this i know why in the fourth wall sense but like if i were there i'm like dude why don't you guys just leave but she's so mad that yeah. usopp and chopper are so scared where <laughs> usopp pretends to die with a ketchup star like he got shot or something and then chopper <laughs> gives himself a defense boost when nami is just fuming and angry not at them directly, but, you know, when you're angry and highly emotional and passionate at this point, it's hard to contain it and control it. But yeah, because they right. didn't get the info they wanted. They got, they got humiliated. So it was a loss, loss. Nothing occurred, happened. There was no, there was no even post-satisfaction of, oh, but we beat them up at the end. It wasn't even that. Like, no, they walked away and they were laughing and gullible. Sorry, not gullible. They were laughing and, like, so full of themselves. So nothing good happened. But while they were doing that, Robin's kind of, establishing herself as a bit of a lone wolf type character because it's the second time she's done something off panel on her own but effectively where she goes yeah i went to get some intel myself i got you know some clothes so nami you can get your clothes back or whatever i'm not i'm not i'm not dressed for my job interview anymore she's back to her, her like her western cowgirl kind of look a little bit and she goes uh-huh. yeah i got info on mont block cricket they might have intel they might know something about the sky island and so therefore Let's go to this part of Jaya. Let's meet this guy. Yeah. And then we get that little section, which, again, relatively uneventful. This one especially. We get a couple more characters. But a lot of interesting information in that the section where they meet up with Cricket. Yeah. So the story with Cricket being... So he's a descendant of what's supposed to be Nolan the Liar, where... Of course, when they mentioned that historical character within One Piece, sorry, not, not real life historical, Nolan the Liar within the One Piece universe, and Nami's looking at the book when they reach the guy's place, she looks to Usopp and going, and he was never going to be It was all like, why are you looking at I me? I love how like, they, all, they look at Usopp like, with their straight faces. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that too. Where It's almost like they're like passive aggressively, like very aggressive on the passive aggression part. Where they're telling him, like, you probably shouldn't be lying so much, Usopp. It could bite you in the ass sometime. Which could be foreshadowing as well. But, um... Like, you hear that, Usopp? He got executed for being a liar. Yeah, for a liar, saying he did all this crazy cool shit. When in reality... Well, according to the book, in reality, he didn't. So he should probably not do that. <laughs> so we could probably get that potential where maybe that could be, like, a challenge for Usopp later on. Or something to narrow down. And I don't know. But what I was fascinated by with Nolan the Liar was just reading the story, just sorry, reading the panels of them talking about Nolan the Liar, where he's like, he talks about all of his travels and all of his findings, but no one believing him because of how ridiculous. And plus, when they try to confirm it, they couldn't find it themselves. It reminded me very much of the real life um, historical figure, uh, Marco Polo. I'm sure this one would be much more recognizable than the last one I mentioned back at Trump Island. Marco Polo is the famous explorer uh, that's mentioned a lot in the Uncharted video game series where the famous quote was, uh, I did not tell 
half of what I saw for I knew I would not be believed, which I thought was a very fascinating as a comparison because Known the Liar was the opposite where he did tell everything he found, but because people couldn't find the stuff he was saying, they thought he was a liar and making people lose their resources and time and therefore he got executed for it. So I thought that was a very nice twist on the real world reality of like the real Marco Polo Explorer. That was really nice. Holy crap, I just realized uh, something. Because I, I took a class where we read the description of the world, a.k.a. Marco Polo's journals traveling through Asia. There uh-huh. was one section in there where he commented that there was a random changing of day to night, which I just find that incredibly interesting. That Wait, did, that he, really that? Well. did he really say did that? Yes, 100%. Really... I swear to God. I swear he did. I'm guessing That's I totally know very now. likely a reference from Oda to Marco Polo, like yeah. direct one-to-one yep, connection. Yep, Oda was likely read the same uh, journal or the same book that you guys had to read for the class, and it was like, you know what, that sounds really sick. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I think the real-life version was probably, I think he was in the jungle or like a jungle island. I think he was a liar, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's where the inspiration comes from, right? Where it's like he says yeah. in reality on his deathbed, I didn't even tell half the shit I saw because you guys don't even believe me for the other half I did tell. But that was the, that's Dude, the fascinating he, he, he says some crazy <laughs> shit in that book. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Usopp yeah. level yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, really. Yeah, exactly. And real life Marco Polo was like that too because he went through the Silk Road, he went all along the uh, along Africa, throughout India. He did a lot of trading and exploring, and so he saw a lot of shit from different cultures and different realities. Uh, different realities. <laughs> Marco Polo is a dimensional traveler, too. But the main fascination... You could convince me that he traveled dimensions with the outlandish claims he made. (laughs) But the thing that I really thought was a great contrast was, again, Noland was the one that told everything that he found to the point where it was dangerous to governments because they were wasting resources to find the shit that he was saying he found. But in comparison to Marco Polo, who explored, like, an Asian continent or India, and Noland the Liar was exploring these areas that's kind of along the Central American kind of areas, where, again, like, the bird architecture, the very... uh, Mayan culture influences because they also mentioned the Emerald city, the city of gold. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is totally uh central American influences instead of Asian. Yeah. Because Asian you, you automatically connect it to like El Dorado, right? Which is like a yeah, exactly. yeah, Mayan exactly. thing. Usually when it's portrayed, I'm not sure if it's exactly Mayan. I think it's more like separate in its own right, but yeah, that area, Mayan, right. Indian, Aztec, that, that area. Sorry for getting distracted again. Whenever I get historical connections, I'm always like geeking out going, Ooh, I like it when Oda reads history. It's relevant here, though, at least. A side tangent that I have to mention, though, too, because we were talking about information here. The chapter, the end of this chapter was popularity contest and of the characters. I have. Yeah, you can trust me. Yes, Justin. I'm Justin. I'm going here, Justin. I'm going here. Don't you stop me, okay? Don't stop me. No, no. Feel free. Okay. So, top five characters make complete sense to me i've i've slept on this i will not complain luffy one zoro two sanji three chopper four nami five Usopp six my two favorite characters are at the bottom with the exception of luffy of those six i mean i'm fine with that these are all straw hats this is after all a shonen magazine aimed towards you know younger kids looking for action sanji zoro and luffy are fill up that void chopper's a newcomer but he fills that requirement too i am fine with that a-okay it hurts my heart a little bit that nami just barely made it in the top five that's fine that's fine however one piece fans 
I have an issue with you guys, okay? All of you over there in Japan, listen to me, okay? A popularity poll comes out, and you have Bellamir at 37th place behind a random panda side character in the background, behind <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Three, I think, behind Miss Golden Week. And, and behind that smart? random that random lady from Drum Island that looked like a hiking bear above yes. Bellamere. Yes. The I know Bellamere is in a few chapters. I get it. Okay, I understand. That lady was stop, only in one stop. panel, I think. Exactly. So Bellamere being only 37th, y'all motherfuckers need to get your priorities straight. Okay. <laughs> I can tolerate Nami not being number one. Or Usopp not being in the top five. I can tolerate that. Because at least the other Straw Hats are there too. Sanji being a, as as well loved as he is. Eh, not top three. But whatever. I'll let that slide. Right? Bellamere being 37. Nah. Nah. Yeah, I, I don't I, accept this. I don't I accept disagree this. very heavily. With this. Yes. So. Bellamere needs to be. Like I understand. At this point, there's over a thousand chapters in One Piece. Bellamere's likely not even close to the top a hundred or thousand. Well, but, but the time point. this poll was taken, I assume it was at this exactly. point in the at the manga, point. which at I guess point, is, it's point. been a while since Arlong Park, like a year, over a year. Mm-hmm. So it's been still it's still pretty fresh in people's minds. Arlong Park, I've been told, has been the first major arc that pe- that made people go, "Okay, One Piece is legit. This is real." And Bellamere was a part of that emotional high during that uh, that flashback sequence we got. And she barely even cracks a top 40. I'm shaking my head at the 2003 fans who voted in this poll. I think they were all in Japan. I think this is a Japanese-only poll. But I'm still shaking my yeah. head. So far, until <laughs> recently, I think all, all the popularity polls are exclusive to Japan. Yeah, so... Sorry for that side tangent, but I got so mad. <laughs> like I was irate with <laughs> Nami from the previous chapter, but for different reasons. I'm like, you guys made Bellamere lower than these characters? Like, I would have been fine if Bellamere was like maybe like 19 or 20, right? Where it's like, okay, you're still better than these no-name side characters with like no lines as joke characters. That's fine, right? She's not going to be better than Crocodile, obviously, or Robin or Vivi or Karu. That's completely fine. I understand that. But 37? Really, guys? Really? You're killing me here. Yeah. So so back to our little section. I, we kind of covered most of it, right? Long story short, they learned from Cricket, who's the descendant of the famous Nolan the Liar, or Montblanc yeah. Nolan, that there was mm-hmm. supposedly a city of gold on this very island of Jaya that when they came to look for it was gone. Because, you know, that's why he became the liar. Because he's like, yeah, there's a city of gold there. It, it must be in the air. It must be in the air. It's gone now. Yeah. Yeah, no, he said, it, like, must, it must have fallen into the sea. And they're like, oh, get out of here. It was never yeah. here. So he's yeah. Nolan the liar. They, uh, Nolan does believe that there's a way into the sky. Or not mm-hmm. Nolan, Cricket. So he's yeah, him like and Cricket. his little monkey crew. Who we forgot the other monkey Shoujo. He also looks like an orangutan. The other guy. Listen, looks like there's a, a lot of char- there's a lot of characters in this arc, man. There's a lot of characters. <laughs> yeah, two yeah, two sorry, monkey stop. guys in yeah, Cricket, sorry, the monkey team. They decide to help the Straw Hats because you know they're nice. Chopper treated Cricket. They kind of they get a little friendly, a little buddy buddy. They do a little party too. Yeah, so they they fix up the Mary. Thank God, 
That's the best mm-hmm. part for me. They fix up the Mary a little bit, and they kind of retrofit it to fly, or to, to at least to benefit from yeah. this naturally yeah. occurring. I guess it's like a heat-powered stream that'll blast up into the air, which is called the knock-up stream. Yeah, a very blunt on the nose name. No, no clever name. It's yeah, it's, it's gonna it knock, knock you up, up knock and you it's up. a stream yeah. of water. Knock you up in the sky. <laughs> we get a little bit of world building about like a one man boat called a waver. It's in Nolan's journal that Luffy obviously you know nerds out over. Um, I'm very confident we will see these wavers in the next uh, in the next arc, or at least a variation. Yeah, because there's a picture of it too, right? I think so. It looks kind of similar to. Ace's unique boat. That's exactly what I was going to say, because I remember seeing it and thinking, like, huh, that looks kind of like what Ace had. Yeah, a one-man boat, but this one had, like, kind of, like, wings, kind of like what they put onto the Merry-Go. So I'm like, yeah. okay, there's got to be some kind of variation where Ace has been to Skype himself, maybe at one point. I wouldn't be surprised, because after all, he's part of the the, the famous Whitebeard crew. Yeah, apparently so, very, very and famous. And plus Ace is Ace. Yeah. <laughs> they learn about the waiver, uh, they patch up the ship, um, they go... Yo, hang on. You guys need to go into... Am I skipping too far ahead? No. You need to need No, to he find... says, like, oh, yeah, to get to the knock-up stream, you go straight south. And they're like, uh, we can't do that in the Grand Line. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. got to go catch a bird yeah. that always points south. Good luck. Yeah. It's, yeah, for the sake of last-minute drama, right, they go, oh, shit, I forgot to tell you this. But, you know, I'll let it slide. It's a, it's yeah. a fun setup arc. I'm fine with this. Or, oh, shit, you need to find this bird that all they can do is point south, and that's it. And I'm like... That's convenient, but it's also kind of funny. Like, oh, it's one piece. I'll go along with it. Um, they have a funny little adventure into a jungle, which in hindsight is very much like very. Oh, my God. Is King Kong a one piece reference where Peter Jackson, Peter, Jackson. Um, Peter Jackson's King Kong, where they go through the jungle. You have like these nightmare scenarios where they go run into the, like, these giant bugs, especially like in that crevice right after the bridge collapses in that movie where they're surrounded by like these giant centipedes and earthworms and spiders. It is nightmare fuel to the extreme. We get a very similar scenario in this version, only it's not nightmare fuel. It's more fun and adventurous. So I was fine with that variance where they run into yeah. giant bugs, giant birds, and giant. Not, um, not too much happens in there, right? Not really. It's just some fun going on here. Um, let me just double check and make sure. If I yeah, like Sanji is it's afraid of bugs. Usopp is not. <laughs> Things like little character yeah, moments. Yeah, Usopp, of all things, is not scared of bugs. He's scared of a lot of things, like real dangers. But I guess that's like, kind of like the, the strength of Usopp, where he's scared of things that he knows can legit kill him, right? But this, like, this giant yeah. tarantula, oh, it's fine. Just don't put your house out to it, then you're fine. Oh, those giant bugs are on the tree trunk. They're just bugs. They're just hanging out. But obviously, everyone else, like Nami and Sanji, are creeped the hell out because they're like, no, they're disgusting. What are you talking about? Um, I have a slight, we were, t- we were complimenting the consistency, right, with Oda. I had mentioned this to you earlier, actually, Justin, a couple days ago. They kind of messed up a little bit on this part, from me, obviously, that I noticed, where, again, the whole reason why they went to Drum Island and we had that arc to, for Nami to get a cure is because she did not properly cover her skin during Little Garden. Well, of course, she had to take off her shirt because of the fire, the hop, or whatever, get some fan service, whatever. But in this case, she's still wearing that same tip tank top that she usually wears. She never asked for, like, Sanji's coat to help cover up. Maybe some, like, you know, some kind of, like, oh, shit, I learned my lesson here. Hey, Sanji, can I wear your coat? You're still wearing a long right. underneath that, so you're fine. Uh, Usopp didn't go through that same kind of experience, so he wouldn't have that same kind of concern and worry about, oh, parasites might infect me. I should cover up. But I thought Nami, at least, would have been the one being like, hey, can I borrow your coat or something? But no, she doesn't. And it's a little inconsistent, but... I guess she doesn't get sick this time, so I guess it doesn't matter in the long run, but 
I thought it would have been great if she was just asking. For it would it would have been a nice touch. I agree. Yeah, a, a little. A, we'll praise the consistency, but because of that, we'll also call it out when we notice. Hey, what about this though? What about that? <laughs> um, they eventually um, they do find the bird that points south. They had some fun. Obviously, the bird is just like just full. He's an asshole. I love this bird. Where he's teasing the straw hats, where he's like, "Oh, I know you guys are after me." Let me just do my like my bird calls to invite other bugs, like these giant praying mantis that will fight Zoro, or these giant ladybugs yeah. that will overrun you. And then we still get reinforcement that Zoro doesn't trust Narabin, but he has to depend on her still because they're split up. And Zoro's sense of direction is still bad. So, and then Robin's sense of direction is really good. They it's always that no, we need to go this way. So again, the whole adventurer vibes. She's setting herself up to be like the Indiana Jones of the team. Where she's like, no, yeah. you want to be with me on our journeys ahead during these jungle scenarios. Trust me. They get the bird. Thanks to Robin. We established that. I A little bit of like a power establishment where, she, again, she can summon like limbs as long as she can see it. We established that, yeah, she, she was able to capture the bird right away. But the other straw hats couldn't because like, hey, as long as I could see where I can use my power at, I could just do it. So that yeah, could be, she actually uh, said it outright here. So now we kind of we know, right? If she can see, yeah. she can do it. Yeah, so as far as the eye could see, so I wonder if she had like a telescope, if she could be even more powerful or something like that, where it's like, with yeah, a telescope, I can see that. Uh-huh. Or maybe a clear view, I'm not sure. While this is going on, Bellamy and his crew find out that uh, Cricket, he's got a very, he's got very few, but he was able to find a few golden ingots from possibly Skypea, right? Because he was going, because Cricket's deal was he was diving over and over again, just trying to see some kind of hints that, Skypea does or doesn't exist for closure, right? Um, to clear his name in some way. And the Bellamy and the crew find out, oh, he's got some golden ingots that have, like, again, that same architecture that we're talking about, that same cultural influence of, like, the bird shapes. And, like, oh, but they're gold, so let's go and take it. So Straw Hats are in the jungle. Bellamy comes in. He beats up Masira, uh, Shusho, and Cricket, takes the ingots, and does the whole thing of, again, like, oh, you guys are dumb for chasing your dream. I got your gold as I'm not dumb as you are. So I'm able to get this gold and you can't. Aha. And I think you should cover this next part because I think you like this a lot more than I did. I did enjoy this. Clearly. Not as much as you, oh, much man. As you did. Okay, yeah. sure. So, yeah. So they get back. The Straw Hats, once they've captured the bird, they see this happened. I think it's Cricket that tells them, like, oh, yeah, some pirate, this guy, Bellamy, came and stole all the gold that I took. It's fine. We don't need it. But Luffy's like, no, now, now it's fucking on. Because, yeah, this again, time call back to up. that yeah, very yeah, first chapter. Time, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, you can, you can mess with me. You can spit on me. You can throw wine in my face. That's fine. Just don't mess with my friends. Shanks' quote, right? Which and you is mess with Luffy's friends. Just a little thing, though, because again, he was. They were messing with Nami and Zoro too, which is again reason why I was saying they. No, they didn't. They didn't mess. Not they like. They talked to Nami a little bit, but they didn't hit Nami. Ah no, she was humiliated and I right after that. And again, Zoro was getting beat up too. But you could argue. And I, personally, for in the way that I uh, interpreted that scene, like they're so weak that. Look at the amount of damage Zoro can take. Like he, they didn't yeah. even feel that. <laughs> like, yeah. you okay. know what I mean? Okay, you know, you know what? You know what? You know what? Okay, you know what? To reinforce what you said too, because the whole thing of like, oh, you don't mess with my friends, kind of thing. But I think it was more like, okay, by us like not fighting back and taking these hits, we're establishing ourselves where it's like, okay, you could mess with us, and we're allowing it because we are wrong, but we're allowing it. But you extend your influence, your false beliefs of your, you know, lack of 
pride and for your dream chasing to these other people that I respect and they did nothing to disturb you, then you fucked up because we went on quote unquote your terms, yeah. right? Your territory. So whatever. That's but again, this is me head writing. So I could be over defending something that I'm actually against. So I'm just trying to think of a way to explain it. Cause I know you love this so much, this moment, this chapter. This chapter I, I feel like I loved the bar scene as much, but I really love the comeuppance. I love oh, yeah. that shit. It was satisfying. It's very satisfying. Yeah. So then Luffy's like, okay, yeah, you guys stay here, help them out. I'm gonna go handle this business real quick. And he runs into town. The mm -hmm. correct direction, amazingly, because he's not great with direction either. Like we saw in Turp Village, he was like, "I, th I think someone said follow the coastline." I think someone said just follow the coastline. Um, oh, okay, that's right. That uh, is what they told him. Real quick, hey Justin, what's the name of the chapter? Do you know the name of this chapter? Yeah, it's uh the one million berry man. The one hundred million berry man. One hundred million, yeah. <laughs> the one hundred million berry oh, man. What, yeah, when I read this title and after all that buildup, I read that title. I'm like, oh, something big's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. Luffy's yeah. going to do something big with Bellamy. Oh, yeah. Because at this point, Bellamy and the pirates paid no paid not much attention to those straw hats because they're like, oh, this guy's wanted for 30 million, but the Navy is just putting wanted people at this point because they're desperate. They're just trying to, you know, they're not they're not serious at this point. They'll pay attention. Then one of the pirates gets an updated poster and they go, oh, shit, this guy's not worth 30 million. He's worth 100 million. And yeah. then Luffy shows up. And Bellamy's like, ah, oh, this is bullshit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He starts doing gonna, his, his little moves. Green powers. <laughs> yeah, which it is pretty cool. You know, like he's springing cool. around all, like, really fast. He's, like, leaving an afterimage. He's quick. He's springing around, like, off a clock tower, off the buildings, running around. You can't even see him, basically. And he's talking mm. more shit as he does so, just because, you know, the bully vibe. He's like, oh, yeah, you're here to help those monkeys because you're the same species as them, right? Ha, ha, ha. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? And then once he's yeah. done talking to shit, he finally does his charge move with, like, a full-on body spring headbutt towards Luffy. And he's like, oh, you be like, you can't do shit about this? You don't even know how to throw a punch. And Luffy's like, oh, you, you think I don't know how to throw a punch, huh? And just, you know, he lifts his fist up and just slams it down so righteously into this man's face right in front of him. Stop. Moving God knows how fast. Yep, the double panel, the the freaking thwam, like the ground around him breaks, like all the little, the planks on the deck or whatever on the floor break and shatter around him, like he digs into it. The indent of Luffy's fist is in his face, mm -hmm. and he's out. The indent Easily was for I, me, yeah. best single hit of the series so far. The indent at the end, the indent at the end in his skull was like, alright, you know what? That's a good punch. It's still not the best punch yes. to me because I need more emotional weight behind it, not just, yo, you fucked up kind of thing. But that's why I still like, think Crocodile and Arlong's punches moments were better because, again, they were like the actual, like, fuck you for messing with us kind of thing. This was still that was still on that 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 line, but he's doing it for a cricket, a side character that I'm not I don't feel actually yeah, for as compared to like, say, Vivi or Nami. Yeah, but it was basically. <laughs> Basically, a wannabe Grand Torino before Grand Torino is like, look at me jumping around, and Luffy's like, oh, you want you're a wannabe Grand Torino? I'll be a wannabe. Is Grand Torino a One Piece reference? Is United States a Smash a One Piece reference? Because he just like knocks him straight to the ground, like <laughs> United States a Smash, going ah ah fuck yeah, kind of. <laughs> so great moment. Immediately, all the belly pirates are like, like starstruck, oh, like fuck. what the hell's going on? Uh, Big Knife is still, you know, the hype man is still like in disbelief going, 
lucky hit you can't do it again or some shit that's like mm-hmm. dude don't even, don't even try dude don't even fucking try a big knife doing everything he can to annoy me even after i got that satisfying punch but he's gone after this chapter. Yeah, I wish he got one too. I wish I wish Zoro had gone with him and just fucked that guy up too. That would exactly. Been great. It would have been more complete. Exactly. I think that would have been like that would okay, have been not the best punch, but the best one chapter cleanup of like, okay, I know these are like Disney TV channel level of bullies where I just don't care for this character. I hate these characters. Please don't put them on screen. Move on. But if they did that and like if. Zuo, uh, sorry, Zoro and Luffy were there just to clean up, just in one clean hit. It would have been better if, like, if we're talking about hypotheticals here, Zoro shows up, he doesn't even use three, his three of swords, he uses, like, maybe like a quick sheath of one sword, and that's it. And then, like, alright, you're done. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're baby shit. I can cut steel now, motherfucker. <laughs> the one sword move, the one sword style move, the lion song, right? That's all we would need, for sure. Yeah. But regardless, this was this was still satisfying. We're just saying hypothetical. Yeah, like, you know, I still make, love it. Uh, what, what you you know what make this nine out of ten scene a ten out of 10, you know that kind of talk. They have like a, a funny little moment where the crew is like, "What do you do with all that treasure stealing back?" And then, or where are you going? And then <laughs> Luffy reminds them, "The sky, I'm going to the sky, duh." And yep. you know, it's a little, little, little closure. We don't see those pirates ever again. I hope not. Anyway, they're almost as bad as the Brock Works pirates. Um, I guess. Yeah. So they're they're grunts clearly. Yeah, they're, they're grunts, but yeah, the main two are, are very annoying. Um, but right after that, uh, we get a little scene that reminds us, hey, Buggy and Aveline are on the Grand Line, like they said they would be. Also, Ace is here, just meeting around because I think he's—I forget what his purpose was. He was trying to like, what was Ace doing there exactly? I forget. But we get exposition. Ace is hunting exposition. down. So an ex white beard member that killed another member. Oh yeah, we know that. But why was he there specifically with Buggy and Aveline? Like I'm talking about like, very short term. But regardless, but oh, I think he just ran into him. Um, yeah, I guess he was taking a break because he smelled the food. They were cooking food, definitely. Um, but we established right. that Buggy knows who Whitebeard is, and it helps us establish again the hype because again, Buggy has been on the Grand Line, but just not as a captain compared to like Don Krieg, who was a captain on the Grand Line, but he got owned by his entire fleet by one dude. Yeah, but yeah, we get the establishment that Whitebeard, yeah. <laughs> Whitebeard is big deal, big name, because he goes, oh shit, you're a Whitebeard pirate? Guys, do not mess with this guy, Ace. He's a guest, okay? And obviously they're still looking for Luffy, but, you know, we established that, you know, they're on the Grand Line, so they might show up in the future still. You know, Oda's going to have a nice reminder. And then we get right. some serious world-building exposition some serious yes. one. We, Tell we me about the man. The sacred land of Mary Joa. Mary Jo. I'm going to say Mary Jo. The sacred land of Mary Jo. And we get, we basically see the Navy's government, the world government. We see the five elders. We see, yes. um, Vice Admiral Suru, known as the Great Advisor. We see Fleet Admiral Buddha Sengoku. Who looks like he's got like the actual uh, Tojo glasses, Emperor Tojo from World War II. He has the same type of glasses. He's got a cool goat companion. He's definitely like in charge of the military while the five elders are in charge of like the government, you know, the, the policies, the, the civil stuff. And we also see who I am pretty damn sure are very important big characters because one of the things going into the series, 
I don't know who these people are, but I've definitely seen them in video game advertisements or in commercials for something. Are the two pirates? Right. Oh, one of them. Sorry, one of them, not both of them. Uh, Sir Don Quixo, Don Flamingo. I've seen this guy definitely. Don, Don Quixote, covers. yeah. Do Flamingo, yeah. Do Flamingo, Do Flamingo. I've definitely seen this guy before. Wanted for three hundred and forty million fucking berries. And I thought, oh, shit, Luffy cracked nine digits. That's so cool. And right away, next arc, oh, you think that's cool? <laughs> Here are two warlord, other warlords, because we get to see more warlords of the sea. We sell Doflamingo for $340 million. We also see Sir Dar Bartholomew? Bartholomew? Bartholomew Kuma. Thank you. I should have, uh, Sir Kuma. It's Kuma. Uh, looks like a bear-looking figure. You actually told me that Kuma means bear, I think. Right? Kuma bear, or... bear. Okay, because literally I was thinking like this guy kind of gives off like a bear impression, or at least in yeah. the um, in the old traditional sense where they give him like these very big, oval, wide open bodies. Uh, but yeah, Kuma and Doflamingo. They they kind of tease that Doflamingo has like a puppet-like power because military members are suddenly trying to strike at each other and attack, and they show him moving his fingers like if he was doing puppet strings. Right, like a puppet so master. Like, okay. Yeah, so like a puppet master. So I'm like, okay, we'll see that. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Kuma, we still have no idea what he does. Oh, yeah. Kuma is one of our 296 million berries. Uh, you actually reminded me that that one level stops rising after they become warlords. So this is yeah, the it said it, it said it in the panel, too. It says Bounty frozen at 340 million berries. So yeah. He could, so have, that, he could be stronger, that. and he could have done even more heinous shit since then. Yeah, which explains why, even though Crocodile had, like, these worldwide intentions, like, why was he only one for 80 million berries, right? At this exactly. Point? It's like, because it froze early on. He established himself as, like, this guy in Alabasta, but he had bigger plans. Yeah, but, yeah he, we, he's yeah. working underground, like, because clearly if the government knew he was still doing crazy stuff like that, he wouldn't have been yeah. a warlord. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure, at least Doflamingo, he definitely looks like a guy who doesn't work underground. He looks like he's very upfront with what he does. <laughs> uh, then again, I could be completely wrong, because his literal power is controlling puppets, like, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of guy. So I could right. be completely wrong on that. But his, his outward aesthetics and appearance, he's wearing sunglasses, he's got the very... Like, he's got that same fur coat that I criticize Big Knife for having. But there's something about this guy's design that doesn't scream wannabe Aspen snowboarder bully. This guy screams, okay, this guy's a pimp. This guy got this because he's actually making it high. The other guy, Big Knife, he's a wannabe. He wants to be what Doflamingo is. That's what I got from just looking at this guy. Because just the presentation, the first time we see these two, it's a low shot looking up at these two, walking towards the meeting. So it's like, okay, larger-than-life kind of characters, right? And yeah. then we literally see the the wanted level, and it's just like, okay, these guys are serious business. Um, then, during this meeting, because it's supposed to be a meeting between the uh, the world government and the several warlords, so they're trying to address, okay, Crocodile's gone, we need to fill in the, the empty vacant space, but we also need to deal with the guy who beat him, Luffy, which is establishing that, okay, Straw Hat's at least Luffy, they're on the wanted list. They're on they're on, they're on the microscope of the the big the other five. So yeah. I'm like, so okay, I'm like, he's okay. finally on the radar. He's he's doing yeah. he's making yeah. waves, you know. Beating in, in a the worst way possible. Is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, is what yeah. we see. Mm-hmm. We also get to see Hawkeye again, where he hey. says he's just there as a bystander, and we still don't have a wanted toll for this guy. I think I mentioned to you. Uh, before recording a couple days ago too or a week ago where I'm like what if Hawkeye's wanted level or like wanted berry level is like a question mark 
It's not zero. It's not like a low number and they made him a warlord right away. It's a question mark. Like he's that mysterious. We don't know what this guy has done. We know shit has happened around him, but we can't prove this guy did it. Something like that, right? But my point being right. is because we saw these other warlords that all have these wanted bounties. We see Hawkeye again. He's there for like a, like less than half a chapter. But again, there's no wanted uh, wanted number. So I'm really hoping for like a question mark for his wanted toll or something. But the other thing is we see our first Blackbeard pirate. We see Lafitte. We told that he's from the well, West. He's actually Blue. the he's last Blue. Blackbeard pirate. Yeah, so technically the last one. Right, technically the last one. Yeah, but the last this one point, was sent to talk to the government. Point, Lafitte. Yeah, at this point, a new reader, the super rookie myself, I thought, oh, this is the first one. Because I, I still had that confirmation right, that, right, that right. big mobile looking dude was Blackbeard himself. Uh, but we got Lafitte. He says he represents someone who wants to be a seventh warlord. And we're like, oh, okay. He's, he's not applying himself. Because I was like, oh, thank God. Because Lafitte didn't look like he was... <laughs> he didn't look like he was warlord material himself. He looked yeah. like a lackey. A good lackey, but he looked like a lackey himself. But then we cut to the fucking other Blackbeards. And this is why I mentioned that Star Wolf, Star Fox comparison. Because they also are doing the walk. They're doing the Brotherhood walk towards right. the board. But in this case, instead of fighting for a friend... They're going for the bounty. They're going for the booty. We get the full yeah. line shot of Rockstar, Edward White. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, no. Rockstar, Rockstar is Ah, shoot. I jumped the gun. My bad. Shit. Yeah, okay. So earlier when you when you were talking about like the hype, I was like, oh, yeah, baby. Tell me about the man. And you went to the government. Yeah. I was like, okay, that kind of works. But I was talking about Whitebeard. Okay. Sorry. I lost my track in the notes. Okay. Let me finish it. Sorry. I'll go back to the other thing that you're talking about. We'll um, go back. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we got the line, right? We got the Blackbeards. They're, they find out as well. Luffy's wanted for 100 million berries. Yo, I'm going to be a warlord of the sea. I'm going to make this my first bounty to establish my trust with the government, right? It's We got the whole line lineup. We got Marshall D, Blackbeard Teach. Blackbeard is also with that D. Yeah, right team. away. Marshall Very D. Important. Teach. Very important. Marshall D. Teach, known as Blackbeard. We got Doc Q, the guy with the apples, known as Grim Reaper. Fucking awesome nickname, by the way. Uh, we get the sniper. Awesome fucking nickname. Awesome Green Reaper. Uh, we get the sniper named Ogre. I didn't. I didn't think his name would be Ogre because yeah, he's tall. But Van Van Ogre. Van Ogre. Von Ogre. Yeah, sorry, Von Ogre. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, Von Ogre. Van Ogre. Uh, I, I saw Ogre. Sorry, Van Ogre. Maybe better. And then we get Jesus, but I guess known as the Champ. <laughs> I thought that was the best one. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was better than Grim Reaper. I'm like, you know, what? if your if your name is the Champ, you're the best. You're you're the last villain. I'm, <laughs> I'm interested how he got that epithet. You know, like what is he the like, champion of? I like to personally think he gave himself that nickname, but honestly, no one can beat him, so he earned <laughs> the nickname because he seems Maybe like he's from like guy, right? Wrestler <laughs> Island or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah. He definitely seems like the guy where he literally goes around Tortuga, Tortuga, sorry, Jaya. He goes around Jaya going, yo, fight me. I'll beat you up. And then those dumb enough to fight him, right. they get beaten up. So he did earn the self-named champ. I wonder what his nickname would be if he's lost to, say, I don't know, Chopper, maybe. I don't know, in the future. Who knows? When we're establishing, we get Star Wolf here. <laughs> we, get the other, we get the rival team. However, sorry, I jumped the gun on what you were talking about earlier, Justin. We get the other guys. So we learned that there was a red-haired pirate named Rockstar that Shank sent earlier. There's some stuff going on behind the scenes, behind the scenes too with the red-haired pirates. 
where Shanks yeah. is also moving in the motion, something that he wants to do. The five elders briefly mentioned about Shanks's ultimate goals. They put that aside temporarily to focus on Luffy and the seventh warlord vacancy. And Shanks is trying to get help from Whitebeard. And I mentioned earlier that Doflamingo looked like a pimp. Whitebeard yeah. is the motherfucking OG pimp. The notorious B.I.G. pimp. Because, Such a G. Because we see this double spread, double panel of Whitebeard. He is massive. This guy is huge. Like one of the giants from Dark Souls big. Yep. And he's surrounded by hot nurses with like horrible leopard printed thigh high boots. But you know what? He's the pimp. I'm not going to question it. That's his kink. I'm not going to question it. Right. He's definitely old. He's he's patched up. Like he's actually being medically treated. Of course, he's got like the patches to measure his heart rate. But he refuses the um, he refuses the favor asked by Shanks to assist. We get the name Edward Whitebeard Nugate or Newgate. Yeah, hot nurses wearing terrible pattern thigh high boots, like an OG, and he's a giant. And it's all that we get. But we know that this guy he might be he might be past his prime because he looks like he's sick, like he's too old. But he still has the influence. He's surrounded by... Yeah, and and just like the way that he's paneled, the way you said, like, it's kind of a low shot almost, and he's just hugely enormous and imposing. It really gives off, like, that aura that this guy means some serious business. Yeah, he's he's not doing the villain slouch where he's, like, leaning forward, right? Like, kind of like Buggy was doing. Actually, no, he kind of was doing that same thing. He was doing the slouch of villainy trope that I mentioned. Yeah, he was pretty posted. Yeah, but he's a pirate, so he can do that same slouch where he's sitting back. He's kind of like resting on one arm going like, you're not worth my time. I'm too tired for this. Like he's got he's got a busy schedule, man. He's got to get better. He's got to be good for the bitches around him, man. (laughs) He's got to be notorious. And it's it's funny that like while he's undergoing like all this medical treatment, he's just drinking like an enormous bottle of sake. Yeah. Literally, the nurses are telling him you need to stop drinking. He's like going noted or some shit like that. He just proceeds to down the next the next drink. Bitch, did I fucking ask if I should be drinking this sake? Did I ask for your opinion? It's like, well, it's my job, sir. (laughs) But. Yeah, so we all the characters are finally introduced. I think we can finally get to the end where the, all the pieces are lined up. Uh, Cricket, Masira, and Shusho, they help out um, the Straw Hats get to the knockup stream. The Blackbeard Pirates are trying to cut them off before they get to the knockup stream. Which, by the way, we kind we of glossed over a little bit. Let's reestablish. Knockup stream is literally a supernatural event in which you have to chase after that dark cloud we mentioned earlier. Where... The dark cloud changes the weather pattern so much in the area. But if you go to this part during this time of the day, and it's very precise, that's why it's, you know, tense for time. And if you go to that part of this ocean with the cloud there at this right time, the whirlpool happened and science and Navy and ocean stuff happens. And then shoot up a straight line of of a stream going straight into the sky towards those clouds. And the timing thing is obviously we need to get to that whirlpool and be in the right position with this, you know, uh, patched up merry-go that could handle this and fly straight up towards it. It's actually a great tent scene. It's I mentioned I glossed over the details where I'm like, because I'm still a little lost on like how this works exactly. My summarization, fantasy, magic, move on. Yeah, okay. Just That's works. not important. It's adventure. It's adventure at this point. It's r- rule of cool. You know, you can do that. Yeah. So, yeah, Blackbeard tries to cut off the Straw Hats, but he's too late. 
they actually show they have a little character moment with Cricket. He's a side character I'm probably gonna forget about soon. But they had a little moment where he showed that he's smoking so much cigarettes, so much uh, uh, from anxiety of like worry of like I hope these pirates get there because I really like these guys. He's smoking up a storm. Knock up straight has going straight into the sky. There's a little moment that I really do love because like, again, like I love it when characters have their little moments to show off their strengths. Right? We all love that. And yeah. of course, it's Nami here, so of course I have to mention it. Sorry, guys. I knew you would. Where? Yeah, of course. But the Merry Go is threatening to tilt backwards, right? A legit concern, because after all, they say no one really survives these knockup streams. The reason why no one tries this is because this is incredibly dangerous. But Nami picks up right away. The knockup stream isn't just water. It's also a gush of wind pushing upwards, too. So she goes, no, keep sure you lower the sails and keep the weight on the boat, because that way we could go along with the stream and not fly backwards and tilt and, you know, fall into the sea like that boat we saw earlier. So, and then you have like this great moment too, where it's like, all right, guys, do what Nami says. And then she goes, because after all, yeah, trust me, who's your goddamn navigator? And everyone goes, it's you, it's Nami. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like it's yeah. goddamn Nami, I do really <laughs> like that moment. It's like, who's fucking in charge of how the shit moves? And they're like, you are. And they're all just doing so, that. Yeah, but even, so my point is that even if it wasn't Nami, this was a great character moment because it was just such a strength of confidence when before, arcs ago, she was questioning her own skills as a navigator because they enter the grand line, right? And the compasses don't work. It's like, shit, everything I know is not going to make sense anymore. Oh my God. But at this point, she's back to being super confident about her skills of like, trust me on this. And before as well, she was the one originally going, arguing against going to Sky Island. She was completely fine not going there and going somewhere else. Like the trouble isn't worth it. But at this point, she's 100% on board. Trust me on this. Lower the sails. Let's fucking yeah. go. It's that, like, we've seen it a couple times before. Nami is not afraid to to give her opinion on what's going on. Like, when they yep, got the yep. pose from Nico Robin originally, right? When she was still in this yeah, all Sunday. Yeah. And she's like, oh, sweet, we can go straight to Alabasta. Let's do it. And Luffy's like, no, we're going this way. And she'll she'll oh. go with that. She has her opinions, but she'll always concede to Luffy's, like, orders yeah, and command. Yeah. We'll, know, we'll know that she disagrees, but she'll follow him still. Uh, whereas yeah. Zoro, you're a little unclear if he disagrees, but he will 100% follow through with that question. Nami's the same way. She'll follow through without question. Oh, sorry, she will follow through, but she will have a question, right? <laughs> like she'll like she'll have some doubts and concerns, but she'll go along with it. But the yeah. reason why I wanted to end on that note was because it was such a hype moment, and I was so eager. Like hell yeah, my character gets the great moment of the arc. It was like the only time it happened, so let me have it. And then <laughs> the last chapter, and Jaya ends. And then I text you. Yeah, text hey, you. the knockup stream activates, launches them up into the sky and then bam chapter end can, oh can and I briefly that's where they found out about their new bounties because blackbeard is chasing them down uh-huh oh right so they get they get reminded of that so luffy now knows like oh i am wanted for 100 million berries oh that's cool zoro now knows he's wanted for 60 million berries zoro. and then we get this funny moment where like the pirates are getting jealous like sanji is Usopp, like <laughs> yo am i on that poster am i on posters no check again am i no, you're still not wanted. So at this point, I'm actually really excited 
where I hope the pirates are having like a big dick measuring contest of yo, I'm wanted more than you. No, ah, I am. No, ah. Yeah, they definitely that. That's pretty much because Zoro was kind of capping Sanji too. Like, oh, like don't worry, it's okay. You know. Yeah, they always have that little rivalry between them. Like back at Little Garden when they're competing. Like, yo, I can hunt better game than you can. No, ah, yeah, huh? No, ah. And at this point, Sanji's like pissed because like Zoro is wanted for 60 million berries, and I'm still unnoticed. I gotta change that. <laughs> so I hope that going forward that comes like a little running joke, because I'm fine with that. Um Yeah, that's the giant arc. It's a lot of setup towards Skypea, which again, which is why I really want to read it, because it ended on such a very fun, hype, like intense moment that Jai was kind of lacking up until that point. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. And then I reached that number. I'm like, Justin, <laughs> are you back from the grand line yet? <laughs> Soon. Soon I shall be. But we luckily had time to at least record it now, so I can get you reading sooner at least. But yeah, yes. Jaya. Great, great art. Uh, I mean, it's not so, like the best, but it was so, it was good. I liked it a lot. Very effective build yeah. up, I think, to what what's about to come. It gets me, it gets you hype. You know, you're like, ooh, what's gonna happen in this yeah. guy island? I like to put this arc in terms of like how much fun I had. It's a it's less than Whiskey Peak because Whiskey Peak to me is still like the example of here is a short but super fucking fun arc. Let's just have Zoro just Dynasty Warrior up for a couple of chapters. And it's so yeah, it's, that scene is, is uh, yeah, this that part is great. Yeah. And this one, it was more buildup, but you get that sense of adventure. You get that little Indiana Jones uncharted sense. Like I said as well, where they have the reference to Nolan, the liar to, sorry, the reference to Marco Polo, who is similar to Nolan, the liar. And then you're and if you've played uncharted series, we're literally in one of the games. One of the influence uh, explorers is Marco Polo. You're going, okay, I'm getting the same kind of vibes. Are we going to get some like, are we going to get scenes where Luffy is going to be like climbing alongside a cliffside and you have to like point your hand of where you want to jump to next as you climb up while you're doing some banter or something <laughs> like you got all this potential going forward. And it's like, all right, I can't wait for Skypea. I wonder what kind of culture it is. I wonder if it's mostly jungle like Little Garden, which I kind of hope not because I was disappointing. If it is, I hopefully Oda has learned his lesson and made it more fun and engaging. Uh, if not, are we going to a whole civilization up there? Is it going to be similar to Aztec culture, which is very worrying? Or is it very similar to Incan or Mayan culture, which would be very fascinating? Are we going to get temples of doom to explore? Are we just going to get abandoned ruins? Are we going to see the true Poneglyph soon? Or maybe just another false Poneglyph? I don't know. I'm thinking Robin's really going to shine next arc, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm excited for it. Which leads us into next week. We are probably just starting the Skypea arc, which again starts at chapter 237, is 66 chapters, not 69. Boo. Damn it. And we'll probably read roughly half of it for that first episode. Or we might read the whole thing and just do two episodes, but we'll probably cover up mostly through the first half up to chapter 270. So one more time, 237 through 270, if you're watching or reading along. That's a lot of chapters. <laughs> it's more than Albasta, right? Almost as long as Alabasta, I think. I think Alabasta okay, okay. was 60, 67. Like si 67, 68. Okay, okay. Gosh, I want to say. Oh, so where did where do you think, what do you think about Jaya arc as a whole? Like, I know you said it's a bridge arc, but where do you rank it amongst, like, of the arcs we've read so far? Alabasta was 63, just throwing that out there. So this one's three Okay, okay, longer. so Skypea is longer. Okay, so we just say, I, I know Jaya is obviously not going to be up there with Arlong Park or Alabasta, but where would you personally put this arc? I'm curious, because it is a bridge arc, after all. Yeah, so as far as, like, the 
because in the the first section, the East Blue, they're kind of all standalone in some way, right? Like the standalone yeah. arcs. Yeah. But they do mm-hmm. kind of culminate like in Arlong Park. But I really like those arcs a lot, except Surf Village, obviously the weakest. I think Jai is better than Surf Village. He's better than Little Garden. Mm. It's I, I do agree. I re- that Zoro scene in Whiskey Peak is just so damn strong that I think Whiskey Peak for me is comparable to Jaya in like as build up arcs. Mm-hmm. Although Whiskey Peak, you, you don't even know it's a build up arc until you realize, right. oh, this is a princess. Oh, got it. Then you realize it's a build up arc. But yeah, I get what you mean. Um, Jaya was missing that was is ultimately missing that uh, that fun and excitement in terms of like Zoro having his fights against the pirates. But we get build up to potentially a lot of that in the future. Like, of course, we get the great punch, right? The great conclusion against Bellamy, yeah. who I cannot wait to forget about next to Mr. Three. But unfortunately, because me, I will not forget them because of that reason alone. <laughs> but yeah, if we had a bit more action, this would stand out to be more as a, a more fun arc. But because it's doing its moment of world building and setting up to Skypea. It's one, making me wonder if Skypea is as good as Alabasta because it's as long. But Alabasta got a lot of buildup over several arcs, right? You could argue Whiskey Peak, Little Garden. They were all bridge arcs, right? Including Drum Island towards yeah. Alabasta. This one is like we literally had Jaya and right away Skypea is the goal. Go, go, go. Right. So I'm curious where that's going to go. And again, we have the brand new character, Robin, who is a great mystery. Uh, I've been told by some people that she is a very great, fascinating character, which was a kind of a spoiler told me going on, but it makes me curious, right? Because I'm going, because I'm going, okay, who's this character and what's their deal going to be? But I'm told, just wait. Who told you that? I don't know. It could be someone in this podcast. It could also be someone who on my other podcast. I did not. I definitely, oh, maybe I did. That's kind of an answer (laughs) I gave. Like, wait and see. I thought, I thought you're, I thought you're going to pull, I would never say such a thing. Damn, For a second, I was like, I didn't say anything about Robin, but I was like, well, that is a stereotypical response that I would give. So maybe that was me. <laughs> I'll admit it. Yeah. For the record, I think it was just a nonchalant conversation we were having with our uh, friend, Tony, uh, part of the uh, Important Things in Life podcast that I also co-host with him, too. Well, what? what? The what podcast? Oh, the Important Things in Life podcast, co-hosted by me, you, Laura, Tony, Lucas. You can also listen on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you for the, thank you for the uh, plug-in, by the way. But yeah, we're having a nonchalant conversation. And because Tony, our friend Tony, is also a huge One Piece fan. And you guys did a very good job of not saying spoilers. But I think we're talking about favorite characters. And you guys are trying so hard to be like, it's hard not to say Robin being so high on the list. And I'm thinking, because I'm trying to say like, at this point, what's your favorite characters? And you guys are ranking Robin much higher than I thought. I think it was something along those lines. And I'm thinking, Why? But you guys weren't saying why, but I was curious. Right, like, why are you guys yeah, loving this character so much, both of you guys? Because you both are caught up with the manga and everything. So it makes me wonder if Skypea is the arc where Robin really shines or if we get, an, like I joke around it earlier, but now I'm more and more thinking about it, an Arlong Park 2.0 with Robin being the, the, the delayed backstory character building arc that Nami got. Maybe Robin gets as well, but in a different way. Who knows? It's in Skypea. Maybe it's later. I'm guessing later, because if it's like Nami, uh, where it's delayed, this would be still too soon. Because Jaya is literally the first arc Robin joins. Right. And the next arc would be still too soon. Maybe we'll get teases. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Because I'm I'm assuming it's going to be one for one the same. And it's rude of me to assume it would be one for one the same. Because maybe Oda wants to try something a little different. Who knows? 
Well, I will get can only like say one thing. Pieces. Just wait. Listen. Just wait and read. Read and find out. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Just a quick one more time. Next week, we are going to be reading the first part of Skypea, 237 to about 270. Roughly. Yeah, that's that's exactly halfway through, so somewhere around there. I know oh, sorry, where right, a right. decent oh, midway sorry, point right. is, but I do not know what chapter it falls at, so we'll okay. get there. Also, because of the fact that you told me not to read on with Jaya, and you made me weak two or three weeks, I might like just read three chapters ahead and not tell you and lie. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make me wait three weeks after Jaya? <laughs> Yeah, I think, like I said, no, I think it's safe if you and, as well as our listeners, if you are reading it or rereading it or watching it, you can just probably just go ahead and read, watch the whole thing, and we'll just talk about it in two chunks, two episodes. Oh, yeah. Because it, it is, <laughs> I like Skypea, it's very fun, and it, it is kind of hard to stop, so I'll give you that. Yeah, it's, also, it's just the, the length of it alone. I, I can have a very hard time, imagine, condensing 66 chapters down to, um, a... A tolerable listening length <laughs> right? for some people. Any closing thoughts? No, I think we covered it pretty well. I got pretty much everything I wanted to say. Fuck Bellamy, great punch. GG. <laughs> fuck Bellamy, fuck Big Knife. Fuck Kai Lang, by the way. I know he's not part of One Piece, but fuck Kai Lang, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> even though you have no idea, like, fuck Kai Lang. <laughs> yeah, fuck I haven't played the game, but fuck that guy. He's like Bellamy, yeah, I've, heard, or, I've heard enough. Yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Uh, all right. I had fun. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.